Uh, we're going to come to this portion of Scripture, and, and I have seen it as being one of the more impactful portions of Scripture. And I, I know I say that every time I get to one, but this one is in particular because it's a place where most of you fail. Most of us fail. Uh, it's not that we don't ask for something. It's that we don't ask in the right way. And so uh, when we get to this portion of the scripture here in the Sermon on the Mount, it does raise some questions. And because of that, I want to pray so that we can set our hearts in the right place to be able to enter into thinking about these kinds of things. Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you how impactful that grace has been, Lord. If we look back and see where we've come from and where you are bringing us. Uh, We should rejoice. We should have such gratitude. We should be so thankful for all of it. And so, Lord, I pray for that, that those would be the hearts of those who are here today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to read the portion of Scripture that we're going to look at today, Matthew chapter 7. And it says there in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. That's all we're going to get to look at today because I think this is a very important part of the Scripture. I want to spend a little bit more time on it. I think as we have studied through the Sermon on the Mount, we can see in each and every passage that the Savior has something to say. He is also something to understand. He is not just a savior. Jesus Christ is not just a savior. See, Jesus Christ came to have an intimate relationship with you. And how does he have that intimate relationship with you? He has it by you talking to him, by you speaking to him, by you crying out to him, by you begging him. By you knowing that you are in dependence upon him. That's what he wants from you. You see, we're not just club members. We don't just get a club card. You know, I'm a Christian now and I pull out my club card uh, once in a while. No, we are the cherished children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I mean, he came to this earth to take our sins upon himself. He didn't have to do that. So I'm not just a card-carrying Christian. Uh, It's not that I'm just in membership with him. I'm in partnership with him, working out my salvation with fear and trembling, for it is he who is in me to work out that salvation. Jesus wants fellowship with us. Jesus wants to hear from us. Jesus wants a closeness with, with us, starting when you get saved, but that it works all the way through and in, into eternity. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship that is deep and significant. When it comes to walking with God, we truly see his continuing provision, his insight and direction in all of our life. I don't know if you've seen that since you've been saved, how much he has stepped into your life and done certain things and caused certain things and And you can look back and say, that's the grace of God in my life. That's the grace of God in my life. God does not hide anything from us. And if he did, we can ask. We can speak to him. Everything that we have comes from him. 
But if we don't have, and we don't think we're getting, and we don't think that we're relating with him, then we need to do the ministry of ask. We need to speak out to him. Turn to Romans chapter 8. I want to look at that first before we get to the Matthew passage. But Romans chapter 8, and Paul is writing there, and he he says this in Romans 8.26, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. And we do have weakness, folks. That's what we we have to realize, that we are weak. For we do not know how to pray as we should. Have you ever been there? Got on your knees, closed your eyes, started to speak out to God, and you said, I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't know how to concentrate. I don't know how to implore. I don't know how to beg. I don't know how to do any of this. But it says here, in the same way that the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do, know not, do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Could you imagine the, the grace of the great God to do that? You don't even know what to ask for. For, the, his, uh, for us, his, uh, with groanings too deep for words. I, I've been there, folks. I've, I've been on my knees. And I've wondered, where, God, what am I going to say? And he's, he's already going before me. Folks, even when we are ignorant of what to ask for, what to seek, and what to knock for, the Holy Spirit is already at work. He's already doing that work for us. And I say, what a God we serve. It's an incredible God we serve. Even when we cannot express our spiritual needs, He is providing over and over and over again. I had somebody come in the prayer room last week. This young lady wanted to to speak to me and and ask a question. She says, I don't even know how to ask the question. I said, let's pray first. Let's pray first. See what God does here. She doesn't even know what she needs to ask for, but she knows she needs to ask. That's where we all need to be. God shows us his love, and he wants us to show others his love. That's what it's about. That is how he ministers to his followers as we show love to our brothers and sisters. God works through us to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. God cares for us even if we do not enter into this ministry of ask. Even when we don't pray, he still ministers to us. He still provides for us. But folks, think about it. How much more will he bless us? if we begin to have fervent prayer with him each and every day. I I still remember the story. It stuck in my head ever since seminary about Martin Luther. He woke up one day and said, I got a busy day. Let me spend three hours in prayer. I don't say that in the morning. I got a busy day today. I want to get my books out. I want to get my laptop out. I want to start answering the questions and the emails instead of, you know what? I got a busy day today. Let me spend it three hours in prayer. That's what Jesus Christ wants. That's what God wants. Staying with that Romans passage, Romans 8.27, and he who searched the hearts, he knows our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes with the saints according to the will of God. He's already interceding for us. He knows what we need. And you can say, well, then I can sit back and take it easy. No, you can't. No, you can't. You need to enter into it and you need to be busy with God. 
And when I mean busy with God, you shut the TV off, you shut the computer off, you shut the uh, phone off, the iPhone off, and say, I'm going to get busy with God. The Lord wants us to enter into this ministry because it brings us a closer, more intimate relationship with him. And he wants that close, intimate relationship with us. Yahweh wants us to enter into this ministry because it displays his power. You know how it displays his power? Because it sees you on your knees in dependence of him and his sovereignty. To take another step today, you need his sovereignty. You need his grace. God gives, but I believe he gives more when you ask, and you ask the right way. You ask the right way. Whenever we are short on the grace of God, we do not see his provision. We are to ask, we are to seek, we are to knock, we are to experience his unique blessings and provision. In a sense, God is telling us that we want, he wants us to be beggars beggars of his continuing grace in our life and and his charity towards us. When we really don't deserve it, folks, we are self-centered oafs at best, and he enters into our life. Now he wants us to get our eyes off of self and put them on him. He only gives us two commandments, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and others. doesn't say love yourself. We get stuck on that. With confidence, we see that he will respond to our asking as long as we're asking the right way. He who reveals himself to our seeking and opens our heart and his heart, in a sense, to our knocking is our father, said one commentator. But let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. This is in the present imperative. It is a command that you are to be doing these things. It's not a suggestion. It's not, you know, when you have enough time, you know, when you put the kids to bed, it's the only time you do it you put before you put the kids to bed. It's when you wake up in the morning. It's when you walk along the way. It's at all times, as First Thessalonians 5 says. It's an imperative. You must be doing it. This ministry of prayer is to start and continue until the end. Until the end. Some of the folks who are sick, in bed, can't get out, can't move very much, start in that endless prayer because they're there and they have nothing else to do. And, I, and that's wonderful. I visited some of those folks in the hospital, in the nursing home, and those kinds of things. And they've started in that ministry of prayer there. Start it now. Why, why wait till the end? So this ministry of prayer is to start, it's to continue, it's not to end, it's supposed to be done continually. Why is this? And that's the question I always ask when I come to a portion of Scripture. Why is this portion of Jesus' message given here? Why would he do it right here? It is given here 
because his listeners are hearing how impossible it is to live out the kingdom life. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I see that it's an impossibility. I can't do everything that God has said to do. I, I forget things or I don't do things or, you know, I do things that I shouldn't be doing. That's why this is here, because he knows how impossible it is. And you should be preparing yourself in the ministry of ask for those times of life when they're going to happen. They're hearing how hopeless and helpless they are. How totally unworthy they are, as a matter of fact. And he's there for them. He's there saying, come to me, call me. One commentator said it, that, said it this way, that Jesus is telling them to beg for salvation. Now, I may or may not agree with him. I'm still working on that, of whether this is where God is, uh, and through Jesus Christ, is calling them to salvation on the mountain there. But even if I don't agree, I want you to point, look at a scripture where he brings this out. And this is a, a commentator that is a good commentator. He says in um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And so that is definitely a gospel message that you better be picking out the right gate and the right entrance and all of that kind of stuff and all the right road and we're going to go down there and that's all about judgment. And so that's why he brought up the idea that this is possibly the idea of begging for salvation. Folks, do you know how many people are in the church that need to start to do this? They're in the church, but they're still on the wide road. They have the club card. And they see it as having the club card and that they're in. But they don't live it. They aren't expressing it in their life. They, they haven't come to total recognition of their need of that salvation, their total lostness. Jesus is going to be challenging them. In, in the days and, of, and weeks ahead that we're going to be looking at this portion of Scripture, Jesus is going to be challenging us as well. You better know how to reach out to God. You better know how to cry out to God. Especially when your heart becomes heavy. Especially when you start to have questions of your assurance. And there are folks I know that are in here that do have questions of their assurance. Am I really his? But this is when you need to get down on your knees and say, God, I need your help. If you start to doubt, the first thing to do is run to him, run to the cross, run to him in this ministry of prayer that we're talking about here. Jesus directs them to pray, but he directs them to pray not ignorantly. Jesus wants them to pray according to the word of life. He wants them to pray according to the, the gospel and, and, the, and God's word. Friends, you need a deep, rich relationship, understanding even of the scriptures. And, and I know there's some folks that have come over in the last few years to Grace Community Church say, oh, you're teaching all the time, teaching all the time. Folks, take advantage of as much as you can take advantage of. You want to put on the mind of Christ. 
You're instructed to put on the mind of Christ in Colossians. You're instructed to think on the things above, not on the things of the earth. If nothing else, it needs to be a fervent, growing relationship that we have. I believe that Jesus is giving us hope here. Hope is given in Jesus Christ as he, he directs his followers to cry out to God for spiritual enrichment and for everlasting life. It is not a call to be asking for things, folks. So often when you hear people pray, they're asking for things. Give me this and give me that and give me this and give me that. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. If you look directly at the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are undone as the standard is so high. It's impossible to keep. There is no way that we are sufficient for all of these things. We need help. We need help. Not in the mundane things of this world, not in the temporal things of this world. We need help in essential godliness. In essential godliness. A little morality is not what God is looking for. But he wants a total realization of unworthiness and a need for Jesus Christ. Friends, just like the person who came to me and asked me if they were a Christian, and they want me to give them an answer. I inquired, why are you asking me this question? They said this. This was their answer. They said, I keep praying for something, and I don't get an answer. Okay? If you go to this passage, what does it say? It says to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Guess what it doesn't say? For how long? It doesn't say for how long. Basically, Jesus is instructing the crowd to keep at it, to keep up with it. He is teaching them to persist in the ministry of ask. Even when you don't get an answer, do not get discouraged. Do not become faint-hearted. I'm going to give a, a story for some of you know uh, my wife's aunt, Dottie, four foot nine, maybe I'm pressing it, maybe four foot eight, just a little sweet, darling Italian woman. Oh my goodness. When we became Christians, we started witnessing to her over and over and over and over again. We were going back for her 99th birthday, flew into New York. The first thing I, we do is take her out to get some groceries, you know, because she never has enough in the house. And, and so we're doing that, and we're waiting in line to pay for it. And I said, so Aunt Dottie, where are you stand with the Lord? Because, I mean, I've witnessed to her over and over again. She says, well, I believe like you do. Besides falling down and having to pick myself back up, because that's the first time that she ever said that, I said, Aunt Dottie, I've been praying for you for 30 years. Tell me, what do I believe? And then she said, I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ only for my salvation. For a Roman Catholic woman who's been in that system for that long to be able to say that, and then we started to talk, and I I was just so excited. I said, Aunt Tiny, why didn't you call me up? So I knew you were coming. <laughs> why, why, why didn't you tell me this before? I'm excited about this. And she lived another four years. 
Now, she didn't grow in her understanding deeply of the things of God. She didn't, you know, uh, didn't know infralapsarianism or anything like that or superlapsarianism, but she knew God. You see, the ministry of prayer, the ministry of ask, is to seek the salvation of others. It's to make sure that you are walking with God. It's about your spiritual relationship. That's what it's about. Um, I suppose at this point is a good place to give some wisdom issues here. And I, I want to put this in the right context. If you're praying for, let's say, an oversized gas-guzzling Cadillac that you want to get a brand new one, no, don't, don't be praying for that. Ask for the electric scooter, you know? <laughs> uh, let's be realistic, folks. That's not what this kind of prayer is for. It's not to get that you know, brand new car. It's not to get that brand new house. It's not to get that brand new neighbor. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know some of you are looking for that brand new neighbor. <laughs> Either I move or they do. Either one. It's okay. The next one would be worse. So you don't know. What you need to be doing is bringing the gospel to that neighbor, if you can, especially if they're not a dog or a hog. That's from last week, so you have to go listen to it. But if you're praying for your family, if you're praying that they get saved, keep banging on the door. Keep the knocking going on. God's listening. God's wanting you to do that. This ministry of ask is about spiritual blessing, not temporal blessing, not things of this world. Therefore, increase your spiritual growth. You want to increase that spiritual growth? Get in an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in your growth. Let me ask you to turn to 1 John 3. 1 John 3, 21 and 22. There, there's an intimacy here that is, that is hinted at, or not even hinted, it's really there. And it says in 1 John 3, 21 and 22, it says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, listen to this, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So obviously, you need to know the things that are pleasing in his sight. That means you need to know the word of God. It's living, it's active, it's purposeful in your life to bring it to the point where you're then following exactly what God wants. Love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and love others. This confidence of relationship comes because you see the graces of God working in your life. I hope you do see the graces of God working in your life. And that doesn't mean that you get a, a raise or you get another position in your work or anything like that. No, the graces of seeing people come to salvation, friends, relatives. This confidence comes because you see the Lord is working in you, giving you opportunities to speak to others. It was at my granddaughter's uh, graduation that I got to hear a youth minister, because she's in a, a, a Christian school, and this youth minister giving his message. I wish I had an opportunity to talk to him and give him the gospel, because he needed to hear it. 
But, you know, he gets up there with a little ponytail and, you know, because it's youth ministry, you know, it's high school and I, I guess they wanted to have them well entertained. And he's talking most of the time about the Phoenix Suns. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> so they're not the LA Lakers, so then I don't know. But that's what he's talking about. That those young people need to hear about uh, uh, the Phoenix Suns and, and some kind of energy moving, you know, getting them excited about the things of God through the Phoenix Suns. I don't think so. I really don't think so. You need to hear the the word of God. Our confidence comes from the Lord and he's working in you. You see that working in you. Luke chapter 11, verse 13 is a similar text to this. And here's what it says there in Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, we're going to see this next week. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow. How much more will the Holy Spirit will be given to them? As for the Holy Spirit's complete and full takeover of your life. That's what we need to be begging for, praying for. How do I know? Turn to Galatians chapter 5. There's a battle going on, folks. There's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your attention. And this battle is, is found here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And it says, therefore, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. You see, if you're in Christ, and you're truly walking in Christ, then you're going to be walking in the Spirit, And the flesh is not going to win. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. That's where the battle's going on, folks. Your your flesh wants something. And you're not supposed to have that something. Or maybe it's even something that's good, but you're going to get it the wrong way. Those are the things, the battles that are going on in your life each and every day. And I know that. I know that. You know why I know that? Because they go on in my life. They go on in everyone's life. There's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit. However, if you are petitioning for God's complete takeover by the Holy Spirit in your life, you're beginning to win the battle. The battle can be won, and it'll be won by God. It'll be won by God. One of the most important things a believer can ask for is wisdom. Wisdom. The wisdom that's necessary to discern between judging others, which is the context that we're in, as to their spiritual condition, and the discernment as well to giving the gospel to others. Now, sometimes I I will give the gospel to somebody at the airport. There'll be other times when I, no, I don't really want to give the gospel to that person because they don't want to hear it. They're half drunk. So you have to have some discernment there. 
We just finished up on Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. And there it instructed us, who do we give the holy things to? And it said, do not, greet, do not give what is holy to dogs. We defined what dogs were. Do not throw your pearls before swine. We, we uh, uh, defined who the hogs are. Or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear them to pieces. So what do we have here? We have the ministry of asking to be able to have that kind of spiritual discernment. Who do I give it to and who do I not give it to? Where do I give it and where do I not give it to? The asking ministry is not relegated to only this quality of discernment, but that's where the context is, is to have wisdom. It's in all kinds of issues. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, Solomon. Could you imagine, uh, you, you, you know his life, many women, all, all kinds of issues that he had, but the one thing that he asked from God was wisdom. And here in Proverbs and then in Ecclesiastes, he's towards the end of his life and he's starting to give some wisdom out to others. And in Proverbs 1.1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. This is what we need to be practicing. This is the purpose of writing even the, the Proverbs here. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive to the youth knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. Circle that verse. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. That's what happens. If you got saved last week, that's what you need to be doing. If you got saved 40 years ago, that's what you need to be doing. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure to the words of the wise and their riddles. Here's a, the capper on this. Here's the model if you want to know the, the truth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You want to know how to live? You want to know how to live? You grow in your wisdom and your understanding of how to live out the Christian life. Again, it's not that membership card. There's something beyond that. There's something beyond that. that there's there's a, 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 a faithfulness there that is never broken when you are that kind of person. And so when you are facing that, that challenge of temptation, you don't take out your membership card. You take out your relationship card, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Psalm 1. This also is a counsel to us. This is how we are to grow. And in Psalm 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Folks, shut the TV off. And, And I don't care what news it is. Some of them are more corrupt than others, but they're all corrupt. Okay? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 
Folks, that's what we need is to keep thinking upon the word and and let it richly dwell within us, Colossians 3.16. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. You know, when, when this was being written, okay, Israel's a dry land. Those roots of those trees go down deep to be able to suck up any kind of moisture they possibly can from the underground water. They are not going to be torn down. You want to be that kind of person. Then when you're challenged, you can stand up for the Word of God. Yesterday as we were checking into the airport, a lady said to us as she's, you know, doing with the luggage and all, and she says, yeah, I I had my book, and it was a Sermon on the Mount by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. I I just love D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. I mean, it is so rich. And she says, we don't allow books on the plane. She was joking with me. <laughs> so we, we, only, we only have you listen to things. And she said, I've been listening to Deepak Chopra. And I went, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too bad. She's not getting any wisdom from there. She's not getting any wisdom from there. But that's what she said. And I said, no, no, that's too bad. This is the kind of thing you need to be listening to. Folks, now let's go back to the passage. We're actually going to look at it. There is inherent in this passage a threefold process of prayer here, and it's easily remembered. I'm going to give it to you. It's asking humility. We see that in verses 7 and 8. Seek with discovery. We see that in verses 7 and 8. And then it's knock in believing. We see that in 7 and 8. The first point in this threefold process of prayer is to ask in humility. Don't go to God demanding. Who are you to demand? Ask and it will be given to you. Friends, there is a, a good amount of humility that is needed in this step. This first step is simply a request what it is. It's a request. Looking for direction even. You know, before we had GPS, before we had telephones and cars that can tell us where to go and all of those kinds of things, the male of the species was always reluctant to ask for directions. Remember that? (laughs) Any of you remember that? Always reluctant to ask for directions. Matter of fact, I heard of this one guy who's still on the Joshua Tree Desert, refuses to ask for directions, and he's still wandering around. It's just, just a joke. But you know what? How many Christians are like that man? How many Christians are like that man not asking for directions? Not asking for directions. Not going to the place where you'll find your direction. Do you know even the Greek... Grammar here implies that this kind of asking is to be done, and it's to be done of an inferior to a superior. And of course that would be happening because it's from us to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God. We're we're asking from an inferior to a superior. If someone is humble enough to see that they have a need, they should go to him. You you have a, a problem in your marriage? You have a problem with your children. You have a problem with your parents. You have a problem wherever. 
Go to him. Ask him to start to work on it. It's interesting. Last week I mentioned it that a young man had come up to me telling me he had this problem with his, I think it was brother-in-law or whatever it was. And I said, what you need to do is get on your knees first and then go to him and just say, you know, I think there's something between us. Well, he came up to me last Sunday and he said, I I did it and we're fine now. We're okay. Folks, do that. And I know that some of you have different problems with different relatives. I know that. I think about uh, the master's seminary graduation. A friend graduated that night from the seminary, and he also graduated from life. He got two diplomas in one day, actually in a few seconds apart. He was a humble man. He entered the seminary with the idea that in his retirement, because he was an older fellow, he would go help a senior pastor somewhere and, and just come alongside him. This uh, particular man had already achieved two doctorates, was studying <clears throat> for his MDiv here because he just thought it would be a good thing to have. While he's studying for his MDiv, he comes to me and says, can I get certified in a, 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 a counseling, biblical counseling? So he does it in three years, and, and he goes through and he gets biblical counseling, plus he's serving in two other ministries. The man was not only brilliant, folks, but he was humble. I would never have known all of that. I happen to know him a little bit different because he's from upstate New York, and we've had some time even in upstate New York when we were there together. He's brilliant, but he was humble. He came to ask me questions. and I'm going, what are you asking me for? Ask God for the deeper understanding, folks, of things. Go to him. That's step one. Ask, ask, ask. Don't stop asking. God wants to hear from you. He doesn't want you to just go through life sort of wandering around, but get on your knees and ask him. Tonight even I I would suggest that some couples get get together and say, what are the things that we need to, and I mean individually, couples, you know, husband, wife, you know, and say, what do we need to be asking God for for the future? What are our plans? The second point in this threefold process of prayer is seeking with discovery. Seeking with discovery. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first his kingdom. There you go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, folks, if that's what we're seeking, his righteousness, all these things are going to be added to you. Keep doing it. Now, now, folks, I know I brought up uh, Aunt Dottie as we seeking salvation for her. And yes, I do believe she's saved and she's going to be there in heaven. Yeah, the shortest person, I think, but um, she's going to be in heaven. And, um, but I still am seeking the salvation of many family members, my two brothers, my sister. I don't, I don't think they're saved. They don't live around here. They're from Pennsylvania, whoever was from Pennsylvania. So you need to start witnessing to them. Okay, Eastern Pennsylvania. Just, just anybody there, talk to them about the Lord. 
Anyway, it's, it's, that's what we have to be doing is continuing to pray for them that God would bring even somebody along the way. Just as an aside, i got a couple of seconds here. My brother wanted me to do his marriage. Okay, I said, well, I can't do a marriage unless you're both saved or you're both unbelievers. <laughs> and so, oh, no, we're both Christians. So I go there early, and I'm asking questions, asking questions, and they can answer the questions, folks. They can answer the questions. I do the wedding. After the wedding, I get to meet his pastor. I ask the pastor some questions. I go, uh-oh. The pastor doesn't know the answer. Where are we at when the pastor doesn't know the answer? I asked him if my brother was saved. He says, well, he drives the bus on Wednesday night. <laughs> so then I asked another question, same, similar. <clears throat> um, uh, has my brother given his life to Christ? Well, he comes to church on Sunday morning too. Folks, that doesn't make you a Christian. Here, Jesus is directing them to be seeking the kingdom of heaven. Seek it with your whole heart. Without a doubt, this is an everyday duty. Folks, it's not only a duty, but it's a joy to be seeking him. An absolute joy. The second step here that is in this asking ministry. It's more involved. It's not just words, though, folks. It's not just the words of prayer here. It's the effort of actually searching. It's looking for. The second step embraces the idea of, of diligently searching. The searching may include the idea of, of seeking counsel or seeking truth from the Word of God, reflecting on the light that's given to you, and maybe even asking questions of others. It's okay to do that. My son-in-law was in town. That's what I, yeah, when I get together with him, I'm asking him questions not about what's going on in the world. I want to know about certain biblical things, even that I've heard him preach, because I get to listen to him on Sunday morning before I get up here. If you're in the throes of doubting your salvation, you need to run to the cross, yes, but also run to the Word. Run to the Word. Get on your knees. Keep asking. Keep seeking. This aspect of the process is not just asking, but it's acting upon the request. Some kind of fashion you need to be acting upon that request. This stage implies not only asking, but petitioning. An example. Let's say you want to learn about some uh, attribute of God more deeply. Uh, you need to begin to pray about it, yes. You need to find yourself a good theology book, and I can tell you which one to get. But you need to start looking at the scriptures when, in regard to that particular attribute of God. Maybe even get A.W. Pink's book, The Attributes of God. That's a very um, easy book to read. But if you want to go even deeper, and I mean you may go down and you may not come back up, Stephen Charnock's The Attributes of God... I mean, you get down there, it is all-encompassing. But that's also a good book. Friends, take God seriously. We take so many other things seriously. Why don't we take Him seriously? This is entering into a relationship based on sincerity, genuineness. This is not just a wave of the hand and, you know, how do you do kind of relationship. But this is a deep, sincere relationship. 
You listen to messages that uh, are on the attributes, you should do that. John 5.39, just jot this down. down. John 5.39, it says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. You think that you have eternal life. These are the ones that testify about me. Keep going to the scriptures. Keep going to the scriptures. The third point in the threefold process of prayer is knocking in believing. Knocking in believing. The, the Greek word there for knock means to stand at a door. It could also mean that you're at a gate of some kind and you're, you're trying to summon for someone to come and answer. Obviously, in this case, it's Yahweh that you're looking for. So it may be a gate. Maybe the gates of heaven. You're knocking, you're imploring even. You're imploring his gracious and his generous attention. Please, pay. please look at me. I need to know. I need to have this person saved. You may even be married to somebody who's not saved, and I know some of you are. They're not here. But pray that the Lord would save them. Knocking is in addition to asking. It's it's in addition to seeking. It is a persistence in this aspect. You knock already. You've been on your knees. You've already been in the scriptures. Perseverance is highlighted here, folks. Perseverance says has already been explained in steps one and two, but this is perseverance. And and I'd like to look at Ephesians chapter six. At the end of that battle between the flesh and the devil uh, that Paul is warning about, and he says in verse 18, after you put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, he says in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, praying at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Folks, pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for your relationship with your brothers and sisters. Sometimes they can go sideways. I I need to find out what did they mean by that. I mean, I've had something said to me by a brother, and I went... Can you please help me understand that? And that's not, what I heard was not what he then explained. But look at that. All prayer, all times, all perseverance, and all the saints. It's 100%, folks. That's the kind of prayer that you're going to be entering to. That's the kind of knocking you're going to be making here. And, And it's glorious to be able to do that together. Now, if you wouldn't mind, one last side uh, travels here to Matthew, uh, to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. This parable that is here helps us to see about prayer and, and to see it more clearly. But in Luke 18 verse 1 it says this, and now he was telling the, a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. This is Jesus speaking to the 
folks here, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me uh, legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow, widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. Well, folks, you're not going to wear God out, but in this situation. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice? For his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Folks, why would he not answer? If you are Christ, if you are God's, he's going to answer. But you cry out to him in humble prayer knowing you don't deserve it. I I don't deserve my two brothers and sister getting saved, but I pray to God that he would reach down and reach into their hearts and change them. What is so wonderful about Matthew 7 and 8 is what it says in verse 8. Look with me at Matthew chapter 7, verse 8. And the first two words say it all. For... Everyone, for everyone, no one is disappointed for everyone. And I love it. Who asks, receives, and he who seeks, not, uh, seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. No one is disappointed. I don't know about you. But that's an encouragement to make sure that I'm doing these kinds of things. No one is left without. Everyone who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ receives. They find and it will be open to them. Matthew 7 and 8, for everyone who asks receives. I mean, that's just a wonderful answer in itself. Folks, what a confidence. Confidence we have in God and His generosity. His generosity is absolutely incredible, sending his only son, his only begotten son. What confidence in God who promises to give those who are diligent to ask, to seek, and to receive, and to knock. What confidence in the creator of this world. Folks, pray. Pray that way, knowing that God will answer because he is a good, providing God for you know him. Father, thank you for this ministry that we can all have. The ministry in our relatives' lives for them to come to salvation. The ministry in our own lives that we could grow in our salvation. The ministry in our lives of having a relationship with you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. May that relationship continue to grow and and just flourish, Lord, by your grace and by your blessing. Lord, I pray for these folks today that they would continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, in whose name I pray. Amen.